This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. TL Talk Radio, Season 5, Episode 25. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 25 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Ziganfoos, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziganfoos. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. Hello, Randy. Hello, Lynn. So today we're speaking again with Anya Smith-Roman and Abigail Emerson, founders of Trailblazers Magazine, a magazine driven and written by students about the education transformation movement. And you may remember last season's conversation with Anya and Abigail on the Innovations Diploma at Mount Vernon Presbyterian School. A little bit about our guests. Um, Anya is a 2017 graduate of the Innovation Diploma and currently a second-year student at Georgia Institute for Technology, studying to become a social entrepreneur with a major in business and certificate in social psychology. Since high school, she's been striving to forward the education transformation movement by networking with thought leaders around the world, speaking and coaching at education conferences, and being a pioneer of innovative learner-centered education practices. She's driven by the goal to have student voice at the forefront of the education transformation movement. She dreams of a future where school consists of students working side by side with business leaders to design for pressing issues in the world. And Abigail is a creator looking for new ways to solve problems. She is also an innovations diploma and Mount Vernon Presbyterian School 2018 graduate and a freshman at NC State studying industrial design. Always keeping a positive outlook on situations, her favorite pastime is giving out high fives (laughs) and telling puns and jokes. Abigail strives to inspire and empower other students to believe they can make a change now and don't have to wait until they're older and wiser to start. All right. So welcome to the podcast, Anya and Abigail. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. So we're excited to talk about anything student-centered, but especially this 
publication that you've been working on for a, quite a bit of time here called Trailblazers Magazine. So let's start our conversation off hearing a little story from each of you, a personal story, about how and why you got inspired to create this magazine. Yeah, so our story is actually somewhat similar. It was about two years ago now, I think, that Abigail and I attended Sparkhouse, a conference hosted by Education Reimagined, intended to bring together young learners from around the country so that we can all discuss transformative education. And at the conclusion of this inaugural Sparkhouse conference, we were talking about things that we wanted to keep going. And I shared from my personal experience blogging for now five years, how much I realized educators around the world love hearing the stories from learners. And I, after being at this conference and hearing all these different stories from around the country, I realized, man, wouldn't it be so cool if we could make a collective unified platform to share all of these different stories so that it would come forward as a little bit more professional and a little bit more of a unified voice of these young learners wanting to see change in education. And that was where the inspiration for Trailblazers kind of first took off. And I somewhat volunteered our home team at Mount Vernon to take on the challenge <laughs> of creating a magazine and we stuck to it. So the story goes from there. That's a great adding story. To, oh yeah, adding on to what Anya said, um, we also wanted a chance to be able to build the learner-centered network of students who are interested in education. So we wanted to give other people the chance to do that, too. So you've created this magazine. You voluntold <laughs> um, Mount Vernon to get started and, and help move it forward. Um, talk to us a little bit about maybe some of the favorite stories that you've had in the magazine that most classically exemplify the learner-centered education movement? So what's cool to me is that a lot of the learners we work with haven't necessarily had the opportunity before to formally share a story about transformative education. So we actually get several people who are almost a little confused or taken aback at first about like, well, what do I write about? Like, they know that they're in a school that's doing some cool different things, but don't always know what to share. So one great story, um, we had a girl named Lucy who, when we, we knew we wanted her to work with us because we really loved her school. We were told that she was a great writer and that was how we got connected. And she said, well, I want to write something about math because I feel like I've done some cool math projects. And we kind of then worked with her to be like, okay, but how can we make this into more than just a story about a math project? And we really feel that the best stories have a little bit of an argument to them in terms of being persuasive. We're trying to tell something about how education should be or what we think of education, what we would like it to look like. So we turned it from just a story about a math project to arguing how a lot of kids tend to not like math. It's typically a boring subject. Uh, I don't know why I love math personally. But so we had hers talk about how when you do math in a more project-based learning way, it can really engage a lot of students in that math process. And I really enjoyed working on that story because I thought it was a great example of having a learner really figure out what that story is for themselves. And she was kind of growing into that. Oh my gosh, there is an argument here about how education should be just based off of my love of this one math project. So that was cool for me. Definitely. Um, my favorite story was actually one that came into one of the later issues. Um, her name was Yusra and she actually wrote about education in India. But 
I found it really interesting because she talked about it from like a worldwide perspective about how education in India is so different from the education that we know in America. So out of curiosity, what are some of those differences? Do you remember from the story? So from so, um, some of the differences is she knows like, well, first off, like the physical building for school, as we would consider it, like we're totally different. Whereas in India, they considered school more of like as a community gathering, a mm. gathering of where people would go. Whereas school for us is considered more just like a building, a place where we go to learn. Mm-hmm. So it's a great re- storytelling resource through the learner lens, through the, the young learner lens. Give us a glimpse into the the process of creating each edition of the magazine. How do you decide who's going to write? How do you decide what kind of stories? How do you put them together to tell sort of an overarching story or theme? Is there anything there that you can share with us? Yeah. So for each issue of the pro- the magazine thus far, and we're we've just about finished our fourth issue coming out later in January, and. It's been a little different for each production of the magazine. We currently have what we call the production team, which consists of Abigail and I, who have both now graduated, and we're on two different states. And then we also have a team of four learners that are still in high school at Mount Vernon, because we believe strongly the point of the magazine is that it's driven by young learners. So we want to continue to kind of keep it at that high school level. So anytime someone graduates, we add a new team member that's still in the high school level. And then Abigail and I continue to serve as mentors. We actually kind of divide it up into two different subcategories. So I had the communication side of the magazine and Abigail heads the design side. So I'll let her talk a little more about design. In terms of the communication side, we have our managing editor and our communications and outreach associate. The titles are somewhat new, so trying to remember them still. Um, So we get learners a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's us attending events and we'll meet a young learner that we love their story. And we're like, hey, we'd love for you to write for us. And we connect that way. Other times it's a school that we know of and we'll reach out maybe to some adults or other teachers that we know there and be like, hey, is there anyone you would suggest that's a really good writer that you think would meet for us? Because we know your school has very innovative learning elements to it um and we've not yet had anybody that actually reached directly out to us but that's kind of the hope is that one day enough people read it where they're like hey i want to write for you um so that's the hope so that's kind of the communication side is really it's about a lot of emailing back and forth everything's done digitally pretty much and then we have our managing editor goes back and forth with them so it's very much a different role so we'll have our head communications person will send the emails, then they'll contact with the editor to help transfer that information. That was a very roundabout way to say that, but it's kind of a roundabout process right now. Definitely. In terms of the design side, we have um, the lead graphic designer, and then also we have a director of media now, because we have more social media that you all can go follow. Um, uh, But in terms of design, we tend to go back and forth with screenshots of the design, or we tend to talk through like what we want in terms of the design. And we already have um, kind of a brand style guide that we like to stick to, and which we actually just recently came up with. And we also recently just made a logo uh, to help actually push more of our style out there and what we think is our brand. So what I love about your stories is that it sounds very real world in terms of creating um, this product, this magazine, the way the processes that you follow 
are just like if I was producing a, a Time magazine or something like that, working for a major company, I'd be following those same processes. So it sounds like a great opportunity to apply those skills and to get that learner-centered message out there as well. And I think the most challenging part personally is because of our desire to keep it within the young learner community, we get a lot of interesting challenges of, for example, Abigail and I are not off. We see the other team members maybe twice during a semester. So that's two times that we meet as a full team during the whole production timeline, which causes that's really hard. And then also there's such a quick turnaround because people are always graduating and leaving. So trying to we're continuously in the process of teaching new members to kind of get them up to speed with this is how we do things. This is who we are. This is why it's important um, while also then trying to get these productions out. So it's definitely a very big learning curve. And I think with each issue, Abigail and I are getting better at how can we mentor this process and be a little bit more hands off and give the learners more control of who's going to be writing and what is it going to look like. Mm -hmm. So wondering if at any time through the development of this or the iterations, if you had any other adult support. So actually when we first started, especially with the design, we had to go consult with the, um, at, Mount Vernon when we originally started we have someone who puts out a Mount Vernon magazine so we actually went to go talk to her um her name's Ann Cat, and we went to go talk to her and ask her questions about the design and get some of her advice and then we would design something and then take it back to her and the, our head of design um Bowden to get feedback from them on how we could improve the design mm-hmm. yeah I definitely think that first issue was where we got the most back and forth with feedback from some people who work with magazines and digital components online as their primary job Mm -hmm. um, because we were just learning everything. And then we've done a lot of self-learning also, just experimenting with, we've changed platforms of how we publish the magazine for I think every single issue so far. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we've done a lot of learning on our own, a lot of feedback from some professionals. And I think with each issue, we've become more and more Mm -hmm. self-dependent. So that's interesting because um, I said adult thinking other adults at Mount Vernon and really the the, um, support that you received was really from community experts, right? It happened that that design expert worked at Mount Vernon, but the reality is you as learners were driving the practice and reaching out to experts that could support you as opposed to um, reaching out to a quote teacher who could help you get the project off the ground. Yeah. And interesting about that too, it wasn't, even though we had a facilitator come with us to that initial conference where the idea came from, it was completely us driving the idea of being like, no, we want to make this a real thing because that facilitator wasn't even an teacher specifically of Abigail and I. Um, She was just head of innovation at the school. So she was kind of an administrator. So it was really on us to be like, to decide, yes, we want to make this happen. And this is our process. Mm -hmm. So we cut out time during our normal school time to be able to make it happen. So as... um as sort of these an expert in this trailblazers and development of this and iteration and um, collaborating with others, including learners who are um, still at Mount Vernon, you know, what advice would you give to other young learners who want to have the opportunity to tell their story and can contribute to this larger conversation on transforming education? 
So one of the biggest things we actually like to tell people is don't wait. If you want to do something, don't wait to do it later when you think that you'll be better at it or you think you'll have more skills and you can do it better. Just don't wait and do it now and then make those mistakes earlier. Also to yes and what Abigail said, don't wait. And in terms of fear is often why people wait. But the thing is that most adults want to hear the young learner stories. That's what they crave is I like to, I have a phrase where it's when people are thinking about transformative education, they often ask, well, where's the evidence? Where's the proof that this is working? But when it comes from a young learner telling their story, we are the proof that it's working. You can hear it from those stories, how important and vital and impactful it is. So I feel like the best advice is just trust your story and be confident in it and feel free to get it out there. There's not much fear. So I have to, as, as soon as you mentioned Abigail, don't wait, had made a connection to a podcast that we did um, recently with a superintendent in North Dakota. And that was ex- his exact advice was don't wait, jump in. Things are never going to be perfect. And um, you have a story to tell and, and work to do. So get started. So appreciate that connection. So what I Definitely. what I love about the story of each of you individually, and then the story of the the magazine is that you took a passion, you identified a gap, a problem, something that needed to be done. And even though you didn't feel necessarily you had all the skills to do this, you created these networks to figure out, like, who do we need to tap into to do this, to make this thing happen? And now you've got four issues. By the time this podcast goes live, you'll have four issues out there. And I, I just think it's that it's a great example of you know the power of young learners, what they can do. They can take their passions, they can apply them to solve um, some real-world challenges and contribute something really powerful um, to a movement, to a conversation, et cetera. So really, really very cool story. By the time this podcast uh, comes out in February of 2019, the January 2019 edition will have hit the public. And can you give us a little bit of a glimpse into what is in that upcoming issue? Yeah, so what I'm really excited about is, as I, as I mentioned before, Sparkhouse, that conference a couple of years ago, was kind of what founded Trailblazers. And this past November, I actually got the opportunity to take some of our high school production team members to the most recent gathering of Sparkhouse. So one of the articles is actually kind of a Q&A with some of our younger production team members about that experience and what that meant to them. So I'm really excited about that as well as connecting with some other learners who some of one of them is actually another member who had gone to Sparkhouse. But the funny thing is I actually met up with her in Vermont over the summer. And I think she tells a really cool story of how she began the process of getting involved with learner centered activism and why it matters. And I think that's going to be a really cool story for other learners, especially to read about how to get involved and what that can mean to be involved in this movement. Another thing that I'm actually looking forward to is because we've gone through so many issues and so many iterations of the design, we actually are getting a more finalized design in this issue. So you'll see a new update design and, as I said earlier, a new logo. And with this new, this new issue coming out, we are also releasing our website. So we are finally, in the past, the magazine has kind of lived on my personal blog and been sent out through various social media networks. 
And we've really taken a step up in the development as Trailblazers as a whole organization. So we have website, new social media. Abigail keeps mentioning the logo, which we're really pumped about. So it's really a big, this, this issue is really important to Abigail and I as well, because it's the first issue that's being published since both of us are now graduated from the school, mm. which means by design, we have to be less involved. So the fact that it's been able to sustain beyond our being in high school is really cool and important to us. And I think Trailblazers as a whole moving forward. And we'll be sure to link the Trailblazers website as well as all of the uh, editions that you've published since June of 2017. So before we invite you to share what's next uh, for you and or Trailblazers, let's hear some of your ideas with our lightning response questions. Are you ready? Yes. Absolutely. Are you ready? (laughs) So who is one expert our listeners should connect with regarding learner voice and transforming education? We have a really good mentor that I would say is still actually at Mount Vernon, and her name is uh, Meg Curitan, and she's actually been one of the our mentors that's helped facilitate uh, the creation of Trailblazers, and we've kept in touch with her throughout all of this process. Another person that I would like to recommend is Jamar Lee, I believe is his last name. I was trying to look that up real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a young learner, same year as Abigail. And he has done a lot of work in the education transformation movement. And I've bumped into him at a lot of different conferences. And he has a really cool story to share in terms of how he got involved in learner Center education and how it changed his life. And he actually decided to take a gap year to continue working with Education Reimagined. So I feel like he has a great story on the learner voice. Okay, thank you. We will add that um, connections to those two people to our show notes. If you were recommending one book to our listeners, what would it be? Hands Down, The Falconer by Grant Lickman. It's a book I read my sophomore year of high school, and it was right at that time when I was really just starting to get into transformative education. And I just remember being very inspired by how the book was able to both share about transformative education, but in a very storytelling type way. And it gave me a lot of cool ideas for what education could look like. So my personal favorite book is actually Steal Like an Artist, 10 Things Nobody Told You About Being Creative by Austin Kleon. And it was actually one of my uh, first, if you'd say, more business books I got. But it's great because it has a lot of uh, visuals in the book, but it also has a really everything applies to life in a whole like you'll see things that are mentioned in the book and all of a sudden you'll start noticing them in real life and you're like I actually didn't realize that okay and last question what online site or resource or person do you learn from regularly I feel like I would have to say education reimagined as we've mentioned them multiple times um yeah, they Abigail and I have both been connected to the Education Reimagined organization and just individuals. They've helped give feedback on blogs, on I'm working on writing a book at the moment, and they've been a great connection, networking in general. Um, yeah, they just have so much to offer and share, especially in terms of networking with learners around the country. It's been a very key resource for us. Another one I would say um, is the 
actual uh it's a twitter conversation that happens every wednesday it's called the dtk12 chat and it's about education and what's being transformed right now uh and from uh teachers all around the world but also from learners learners can join in too and so it happens every wednesday as i said earlier all right thank you we will add those to our show notes so to wrap up our podcast how about if each of you tells us what are you working on or what's next beyond trailblazers so i mentioned i'm actually working on a book at the moment still does not have a title the concept, though, is that it's a book about education transformation from a learner's perspective, though the twist is that I'm not actually writing it alone. I'm also writing it with a former teacher, continuous lifelong mentor of mine who was my freshman history teacher. And we are co-writing a book that's kind of in the style almost of a collection of short stories and blogs to show through stories how different types of how that student-teacher relationship, as well as other elements of transformative education, can really make an impact in a larger life and how we think it should be for all learners everywhere. It's kind of the working summary. <laughs> I'm actually um, working on creating a club centered around uh, learner education and the education transformation movement. And it was actually sparked from a project that I had worked on in college that was telling us what's a passion of yours um, and then what do you want to do about it? And so that's one of the other things because when you immediately think that, I'm like, oh, well, trailblazers, I am already doing something about it, but what else What else more can I do? So I'd like to, so I'm try thinking of starting a club where I can start connecting people who have those similar interests hmm. and possibly get more writers. <laughs> You're self-growing them now. Always. <laughs> 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 well, thank you so much for joining us, Anya and Abigail. Um, to learn more about Anya's work and Abigail's work, you can check out the links at the show notes. We'll link to Trailblazer, um, their website, some recent articles all the way back to June of 2017, uh, previous uh, episode of Teal Talk Radio, and their blogs, and as well as the recommendations that they made through the lightning round responses. Each episode, we leave you with a question or two to think about. With the idea of provoking reflection and conversation, this episode's questions, how can you utilize Trailblazers magazine, and the link will be in the show notes, to engage learner voice in your school or district? And how might you create a forum for learner voice to be amplified? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season five, episode 25. That's all for this episode. We'll be back soon featuring other conversations with other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Abigail and Anya. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Thank you so much. Want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. 
head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.